Okay, that'll make a fun TV beginning when I, uh, when I laugh, but it's all good. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. Okay, just, just keep it running. Everything's fine. I'm going to give Doug a second here because he's got to edit these before we send them off. So let's just sit quietly for a second and I'll try not to laugh and we'll get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Staying Present in the Presence. This series is a follow-up to the last series that we did for most of the year where we talked about developing disciples' hearts, the importance of getting connected to God every day, spending time with Him and what that means, and that uh, now we want that to carry on throughout the day as we move out into the, the world and to the mission and to the purpose that we all have in life. And we're looking through the Gospel of Luke in this series, at encounters that Jesus has with people and situations to learn from him because he is our model for life and ministry. And he, I think, very well demonstrates what it looks like to stay present in the presence. Luke records for us um, the humanity of Jesus. Jesus is fully God and fully man, but the way Luke comes about it, we get to see Jesus operating in his humanity quite a bit. And we see him withdrawing and getting connected to God in prayer and then moving into the events of his day in these encounters. And that's what I'm hoping you'll take from this series. And so we've, uh, we've done three so far, three of uh, these messages. We talked about, uh, and we looked at Jesus' baptism, uh, uh, about how Jesus lived for us, he died for us, and he lives for us. We talked about the Holy Spirit certainly filling us and leading us and guiding us as well. Uh, we talked about God's timing and plans being better than our own and that we can trust him. Then we looked at the temptation of Jesus uh, that happened in the wilderness and uh, we, we talked about the importance of spending time in the Word of God and knowing the Word of God in our lives because the enemy likes to twist it just a little bit. And the way that we know it's being twisted is that we've been reading it and memorizing it and studying ourselves. We talked about the tricks and the traps that the evil one uses all the time and how they are pretty much the same. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, that we can be aware of what's happening. And then last week we talked about knowing who Jesus is and knowing his mission statement, and that knowing that his mission was for you and for me. And that um, we need to remember that we're called in, in his story to be a people who recognize and embrace our own brokenness and then get healed enough in Jesus that we can help other people recognize, embrace their brokenness and get healed enough in Jesus that they can help other broken people. And that's all part of the mission that we've been given uh, and, and demonstrated for us by the life and the ministry of Jesus as well. So we're going to continue on today in Luke chapter 5 and see what we can learn in this next encounter with Jesus about staying present in the present. And in this encounter, we're going to look at Jesus encountering Peter uh, there by the lake when Peter was doing a little fishing. Uh, before I hop right in, though, I know you guys like, and really, I don't have a lot of funny stuff uh, today, which is normal for every other week as well, but uh, this is, is even less. We were traveling this week. We went and visited the church in Ocala, and we had a great time up there. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a lot of driving, and, and, we, and one day we just kind of were, were poking around, and uh, I saw this used bookstore. And so we stopped. This, is, this part's true. We, we went into this used bookstore, and, uh, 
And I asked the, the salesperson there, I said, hey, where's the self-help section? And she said, if I told you, it would defeat the purpose. So that part wasn't true. But we did go into a used bookstore. And then I had this thought, and, and maybe I don't know if you've ever had this thought, driving. Um, why do they lock gas station bathrooms? Are they afraid someone's going to break in and clean them? That was my thought. No? Okay. See, I could have left that one alone. But the first one wasn't too bad. That would defeat the purpose. Better than nothing. (laughs) I enjoyed it. Okay. Scripture reading. Thank you, Jesus. Luke 5, 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. And so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Blessed be the word of the Lord. This is an amazing encounter that happens um, with Peter. And we could talk about a lot of things here, but uh, I'm I'm sort of going to take this this one sort of thread and and hope that we learn about staying present and the presence from it. And the first thing I want to talk about is how, uh, point number one, um, the transition from fisherman uh, to fisher of men. From fisherman to fisher of men. And here's what captivates me, one of the main things when I watch Jesus interacting with people, um, that when he looks at people, and even though he's fully aware of their brokenness, of the sin in their lives, he chooses not to make that the focus in how he deals with them. Instead, he always looks for the good in people, the potential that they have, and he would focus on that. He sees the beauty of people's potential. If you've been coming here for any length of time, you've heard me mention that phrase to you before. But it's modeled to us by Jesus, and it's so important that the church gets a hold of that because the church has a habit of becoming people that point out sin instead of people that see the beauty of people's potential the way that Jesus did. And Peter is a, is a fascinating guy. I've always liked Peter um, because I think he's really representative of lots of people. He's kind of rough on the outside. Uh, He makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, He says some things that would be better left unsaid. Any of you ever do that? Um, He might not seem like great apostle material, and yet Jesus sees something in Peter, and he invites Peter to follow him. And, And, you know, I'm fascinated by that concept. Because if you were, seriously, you know, you think about your qualifications for the, the, one of the pillars of the church, Peter, the early church. If you were looking for that guy, 
would you have seen it in Peter? This fisherman there by the lake who sort of just, you know, Jesus says, come on, go out and get some nets. And Peter's tired. They've been, they haven't caught a thing all night. And he's like, all right, let's humor this guy. And off they go and they drop the nets. And here comes this huge catch of fish to the point where, you know, Peter goes, get away from me. He gets who Jesus is at that point. I'm a sinful man. I can't be around you. You're obviously more than just the guy who's up there on the beach talking the word of God. You just made something amazing happen. And, and Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, come on, look. From now on, you're going to be a fisherman. What you've just seen is nothing compared to where we're headed. I want you to come and follow me. And so we, we see Peter, and he does it. Peter, John, James, they all leave, and they, they, they start their ministry with Jesus. But this is the same Peter who does stuff. Like last week, uh, we talked about Jesus was asked, Jesus asked his guys, who do you say that I am? And Peter gets it, the revelation from God. This is Mark eight twenty nine. What about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. Peter gets it. It's amazing. But then we looked how in the very next conversation, Peter opened his mouth again when he probably would have been better off leaving it closed. And he says in Mark eight thirty two and 33, Jesus spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, get behind me, Satan, he said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Don't, I imagine at that point, don't you, as we talked about last week, Peter would, had wished he probably just kept his mouth. And then normally you pretty much know when you said something and you wish you hadn't. Anybody else get that? And you go, ah, that could have left unsaid, that would have been a better deal. Um, but here he is, this is, you know, the guy, it's going to be a solid part of the early church. He, he gets it, and then he messes up. Uh, later on, Peter would deny Jesus three times. Matthew 26, 69 through 75. Peter was standing out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you're one of them for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. See, he gets it, and then he messes up. He gets it, and he messes up. And that was a pretty significant thing. He denied Jesus. Not that any of us have ever done that. But he denies him. Just, I don't know the guy. Or he's just no big deal. This is the, the same Peter in the, in the verses and in there. But Jesus takes his friends with him there at the end to go and pray in the garden. He says, guys, I need you so bad right now. I need my friends to stay with me and pray with me. And they can't even stay awake. They can't stay awake in the process. They mess up just like we do. But Jesus makes sure after all of that, after all the times that Peter has messed up, Jesus makes it a point to go and make sure there at the end of things that Peter is restored and encouraged. John 21, 15 through 19, after the crucifixion. Um, when they had finished eating at resurrection, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. 
I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Just as Jesus had done when he first met Peter, he invites him to follow still. Even with all the messes, even with all the mistakes, even with all the times when he's, he's just totally been, you know, demonstrated his brokenness, Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, follow me. It's a, it's a renewing of the initial call. After all the mess, Jesus says, Peter, you're still the guy I saw. You're still, I see your potential. And I want you to follow me. You've got a mission. You've got a purpose. There's, there's things you need to do in the kingdom of God. He, he asks him the question three times to fix the denial three times. It's, uh, he gets him back into the right spot. And we know right there on the day of Pentecost, just a few days later, later it's Peter that stands up and speaks. Restored and encouraged Peter stands up and speaks. And the church starts there at the, at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost when Peter preaches the good news and 3,000, at least 3,000 people are added to the church that day. It happens then. Peter, the fisherman, had become a fisher of men, which is just what Jesus saw when he first met him. So I want you to see that because it's a very important thing to see. Jesus sees the beauty of potential. And that's a significant part of staying present in the presence of God. And so the, the second point that I have for you today is this. Are you a speck or plank person? Are you a speck or plank person? Matthew 7, 1, 5, let me explain that a little bit. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Um, we've talked about that verse before. In fact, recently in one of our studies in Romans, I was just talking about it a few weeks ago. Because um, I think Jesus is, is helping us here um, with this point, um, specks and planks. And what he's really saying is, how can you even begin to see the speck in somebody else's eye when you've got that massive plank in your own eye? And see, that's the reality. We all have, we're like Peter, we're a mess. And yet something happens if we're not careful where we, we get in this thing that one of our reactions to um, a life with Jesus and in the, in, in the kingdom of God is that we start becoming really judgmental and critical. And you see it over and over again. We, we forget what a mess we are and, and all we can see is other people's mess. And the reality is we're always a mess and, and yet Jesus sees our potential and, and by the Spirit, he's always working in us. And we have to hold this in some sort of proper context. Um, to, to go to one extreme that says, well, I'm such a broken mess that I can never help anybody, that's not true, and the enemy would like you to think that. But to get to the place that says, oh, you know, I'm, I've come so far and I'm, I've got it so much together that now I can just judge everybody else and tell them how bad they are, misses the point in the other extreme. It's something in the middle. We're going to get it sometimes and we're going to be used of God and other times we're going to miss it real bad but God's still going to love us and he's going to keep us moving and keep on doing the things that we need to do. But we have to ask ourselves pretty regularly, I'm, am I being a speck person or a plank person? 
The answer should be that you, you want to stay kind of dealing with your plank and not be too worried about other people's specs. That's on them. It's really not your problem. You got this big plank that you got to be working with with Jesus all the time in the Holy Spirit and that plank just kind of stays there. And, and the, the thing is, it's much easier to deal with somebody's spec than it is to keep working on your plank. That's why we like it. Because, oh, look at the speck in your eye. Let me help you with that. And, you know, it's, you have to get how funny the picture is. It's, it's almost as funny as Jesus talking to the fishermen and saying, let's go out and fish, drop your nets. And they're like, yeah, it's kind of funny that they do that. And boom, here come the fish. Now it's this whole plank and speck thing. And, and it's, 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 it's humorous. You've got this four by four sticking out of your eye and you're looking at sawdust in somebody else's and, and your focus is wrong. So we have to ask ourselves, are we going to be speck people or plank people? Let's, let's keep working on us. Not that, it, you know, that we can't go, well, God can use us, but not become judgmental and critical. Because we have a tendency when that happens that we make our decisions about people based on sort of our, our, their physical appearance and our first impressions. And, and I wonder if you've ever wondered how many people might have truly blessed your life or imparted some amazing insight to you that you missed simply because you dismissed them outright because either they struck you funny on your first impression or you didn't like the way they looked or something happened. See, Jesus looked at Peter, a fisherman, and saw an apostle. Honestly, what would you have seen when you looked up at a, you looked at a broken, messed up fisherman? There on his knees saying, get away from me, Lord, I'm a mess. What would we have seen? Jesus saw an apostle. So we have to, third point, we have to see with God's perspective. We have to see with God's perspective. And, and to me, this is one of the significant ways we stay present in the presence of God. It's by looking for the good in people, by looking for the beauty of their potential uh, in people and situations instead of always seeing the negative. And for many of us, it will require you changing your sort of whole attitude because maybe without realizing it, the culture has influenced you to the point where you become really a negative, critical person. And, and all you ever see are the difficult things when you walk into them. And I get it. Um, you know, I, I, like last, maybe was it last Saturday? I don't know. I, I needed something after church and I went to Winn-Dixie. And, uh, I, I, you know, I always use Winn-Dixie because it pops into my brain. I, I don't know what would happen if we didn't have Winn-Dixie. I have nothing to talk about. Um, I wanted to pick up something that I felt like I had to have at Winn-Dixie. But when I got there, um, there was one line open. They'd already shut down all of the self-checkout deals because they didn't have people to watch them. One line, and that line was seriously back halfway down that freezer aisle. And I looked at that. And I got to tell you, I left. <laughs> but I didn't get all... It would be easy to get worked up over at that point, wouldn't it? Because one of the thoughts would be, why don't they keep these self-check lanes open um, just for these situations? And why isn't there enough people? It's, I'm sure that they would have more people if they had more people. Uh, it's, it's, but it, it, you get how easy it is to be critical and then start saying, oh, this is how I would do it and all these other things. Instead of, at that point, I just went, oh, well, I can live without whatever it is. And uh, if I'd had to have it desperately, I'd have stood in line and waited whatever. It was still going to be easier than trying to hunt it, shoot it fish it, manufacture it, or otherwise make it my own power, which would have taken lots longer. So 
we, we, have to, we have to start working on changing our perspective in everything. There's so many things that we can get caught up in that get us sort of off track. We need to be really careful. We need to be really careful. It's not that things aren't important either, but it's making sure that you keep your, your heart and your minds on the things of God and don't get sidetracked into the things of man. Last week, um, at the end there, I talked about owning our own brokenness, how important that is. Because all of us are suffering from the sickness of sin. And it's, it's a fatal condition. It's only through the cross that we can be healed of that, only through Jesus. None of us is good enough in our own strength. None of us can ever try hard enough or perform well enough to be righteous apart from Jesus. Why then are we so often judgmental and critical of others and their sin? Why are we so quick to focus on the way people dress, talk, or act? Why do we decide to focus on certain sins and let others slip off the radar? The church is really good for that, unfortunately. Why is it that oh, well, these, these are the worst of the worst, and then these people aren't you know, as bad? And sin is sin, scripturally. You know, I always tell you, we, we want to focus on one, and we, always, we often let go of like gossip, uh, as not being a big deal, but gossip is a big deal, scripturally, it's talked about a lot, but we kind of, oh, well, and then we, we don't look at that one because we all gossip. And, and uh, so, oh, well, that can't be that big a deal, certainly is. Why is it sometimes we act like contact with these people has to be avoided, as though they might infect us with their sin, sickness, when we're already infected? And, and the only difference is that in Christ, we have found the ultimate cure, that's the only difference. It's, it's not that we're no longer impacted by the disease of sin and symptom. It's just that through Christ, it's no longer ultimately fatal to us. So that's the only difference. That's the deal. In Christ, sin sickness is no longer fatal to us. We're going to live forever in Christ. Our focus, what we need to see, it needs to be helping sin sick people meet the cure. Not being consumed with pointing out their disease. And, and I want you to get that if you don't get anything else. Our focus needs to be helping sin, sick people meet the cure that's Jesus, not get focused on pointing out their disease. This, this work can't be our focus. Knowing that Jesus has seen the beauty of our potential, that he's forgiven us, cleansed us, and made us new creations, we need to see people from his perspective looking for the beauty of their potential and encouraging them on in Christ. Peter gets this. Because it happened to Peter, Peter gets this. I love what he writes here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. If you forget how we got to where we're headed and what Jesus has done and we forget what work he's been doing us and continues to do in us rather than faith and perseverance and brotherly kindness and love we'll become judgmental and critical and we get nearsighted and blind because that's not the way that Jesus looks at things. 
Real and abundant life is found in Christ. We're to stay present in him, growing in the qualities of faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. We're broken people who've been saved and restored by Jesus, who looked at us in our brokenness and sin and saw the beauty of our potential as we walk with him. Jesus invites you to lay down your nets and follow him. What an amazing invitation. And he he gives it to all of us. Lay down your nets. Follow the sun. That's what we're called to. And that's where life is. And as we do, we'll find the life, the full and abundant life that he's promised us. That's where it's found. Staying present in the presence of God. Learning to see the way he saw. Learning to to relate to people in a way that, that demonstrates the love of God. Rather than all the mess that we so often project onto other people. Sort of a hypocritical, judgmental, mean attitude. It just, it just can't be. It can't be. For us to make a difference in the world, we've got to be like that. Loving, kind, pointing people in the right direction. Getting them pointed to the cure. Not focused on the sickness, but to the cure. And that's how we stay present in the presence from that encounter in Luke 5. We're going to end it there today. Uh, If you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much for spending these few moments with us. We appreciate you doing that. And uh, if you need anything, you can uh, email us and we'll certainly pray for you. Let us know what we can do or call us and we'll get back with you uh, during the week in our next message.